listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 72 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where we continue to try to understand how this Maryland basketball team of all teams has tied for the second-best start in program history, which doesn't really make much sense to me, considering all sorts of performances and losing at home to Nebraska and getting blown out by a team that lost by, like, 50 to Louisville at home. Basketball is a weird sport. College basketball is a weird sport. Anyway, uh, Ryan Connors is here to talk about how weird things are. Ryan, this is getting substantially weirder with every passing game. Yeah, it it definitely is, um, especially when you look at, you know, Pitt and how Pitt has tanked, and they were, you know, the only team to beat Maryland in uh, non-conference play. Uh, yeah, I'd say, and Nebraska, only team to beat Maryland in conference play. Just lost to uh, Rutgers. Just lost to Rutgers, so. Uh, we'll get to um, Rutgers it's, in a second, so. It's, it's, been, it's been interesting, but, you know, in, I think when you play a week out of conference schedule like Maryland did, um, you're still going to lose one of those games, unless you're really, really good. Um, and you know, they were going to lose a game in big 10 play too. That was just, that was going to happen. Um, didn't expect it to be that one. And now it looks even weirder in hindsight. Yeah, it it definitely looks weird. Um, but it's, I think that just the weird, the weirdest thing is for me, you know, I, I try to be pretty aware of, you know, small sample size and, you know, sort of with a team, you have to reach a certain point in the season before you can really say what they are. But, I mean, there's not that many games left in this season. There's one, two, three, four. Maryland's played 20. They've played they got 12, 12 games left. They've played 18 out of conference schedule. No, wait. Is it? No, they're 6-1 and one in conference play, so that would be 11 plus a tournament game. So yeah. 12. So you were right, just not in the way you thought you were right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thomas is also here, and Thomas, we haven't – gotten a chance to speak to you in a couple of weeks uh this season has been very very weird for basketball uh not only the guys but the girls and we'll get to the women why this is weird for the women in a second but what do you think about the whole weirdness of it all and then compounded by the fact that three of the top four teams in the country on the guy's side just lost in one night yeah um well well with that part of it um you know, I thought that this was going to be one of those years where there was one team sort of better than everyone else, and I thought that team was Duke, and uh, that didn't turn out too well. Nope, and it's uh, glorious. Yeah, and so, you know, after that, you know, it, it turned out to be kind of like last year and that there's just this sort of rotating bunch of um, really good teams but no super great team. Um, and I guess those are the kind of years where Maryland fits in really well where it's just, it's just going to be all chaos everywhere. And for whatever reason, they're pretty good with chaos. Particularly this team. Speaking <laughs> of that one, let's talk about it. There have been two games since we last recorded a show, Ryan. First was Iowa, which I think we could say was a typical Maryland road game, and then a game against Rutgers, which was always going to be harder than it had to be because Maryland makes those games harder. But Rutgers is actually not nearly as bad as people thought they were. Uh, but let's start, I guess, with the holistic summary of these two games. Maryland was blowing the doors off Iowa for a while, then 
inexplicably let them back into the game and then hit a few clutch shots down the stretch and ended up winning by eight, which probably wasn't indicative of how well they played. And then against Rutgers, Rutgers was winning for a little bit in the first half, and Maryland didn't really pull away until the end, but even when they had pulled away, they didn't really pull away. So are we any more certain of this team after these two games than when we last spoke? Um, I, I was tempted to say we're absolutely no more certain of this team because these wins were fairly similar to most of the wins Maryland's had this season a lot in of that, the time. Close, that, close first on. half, close yes. first half. Yes. Um, then, you know, get out to a big lead and then the other, the team sort of comes back at the end. That's pretty much been the script to most Maryland games. But I think the fact that they're still winning has to be a very good sign. Um, you know, like you could you could put it on luck a little bit because just you're not supposed to win as many close games as Maryland is winning. But I mean, Maryland was there was the one season where they were second in the country in luck two years ago. And this year they're in that's Ken Palmstadt luck. And this year they're twenty second, which is still Obviously, fairly lucky, but not you know not to the degree that they were. I think that other time. Mm. I was going to say that there's certainty in that Maryland basketball is very uncertain, and also certainty in the fact that still every game is still a bit different. This Rutgers game, it's not like Maryland was ever in real danger of losing, but there were stretches where they looked pretty awful, and against Iowa. Again, they were in cruise control for most of the game. Then Iowa went on a big run, and then Mello Trimble and Jared Nick had said, okay, guys, let's put an end to that, and then eventually won the game. Although they weren't necessarily the closest games. They didn't end in that six-point uh, realm, Thomas. So, again, as I said, now that Maryland's getting healthier, do you think that adds more certainty to the mix, or does it make things more uncertain? Because I tend to think it's the latter. Yeah, I mean, with with more variables, you know, comes more variability. I mean, it's, it's, that's the pretty simple way to put it. But, I mean, with, with Tchaikovsky back and Wiley coming back, you know, we don't know exactly how long it'll be before those guys start playing near or at their best. Um, and so, you know, it's tricky to manage that as a coach when – you know, there's these guys like those two and also guys like Brantley and uh, Nickens off the bench is doing all right. But, like, it's tough to, you know, manage how do you distribute those minutes. And, you know, Turgeon's been at this a while. He'll figure it out, but it will probably take a little while for him to do that. It's true. It, I, I'd say it's more than that. It's, it's, I don't think he's ever really figured out his best rotation yet. Injuries kind of help, but the best Maryland's look, Ryan, is when his hand was totally forced. That was against Illinois, and he played a very small lineup. And I was talking about that during the Rutgers game, and our friend Matt Ellentuck agreed with me, as he tends to do with these situations. When you sound like Matt Ellentuck talking about basketball, you tend to sound pretty smart. Uh, and that Maryland wasn't really going small at all against Rutgers, despite the Scarlet Knights' size. And Maryland's offense never really got into gear for any extended period of time. And we've wanted Maryland to go small so that they could maybe find some offensive rhythm, and that's never happened. That's a Turgeon thing, if it's anything. Uh, so in that vein, what do you think Maryland has to do to achieve more consistency? Because there's only been, as we said, maybe one or two games all season where they've been consistently great from start to finish. 
Otherwise, there's been a bad blip in the middle or somewhere around. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's odd because mo- a lot of teams just, you know, you're not going to have a thoroughly dominating performance for an entire game. And I think, you know, it's it's okay if they don't. That's something you just kind of have to accept and deal with. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. It's It, it was... Like, I look at their Ken Palm stats, and if you look at their conference-only stats, um, like, I've, I've just been, like, while I'm listening to this podcast, it's, I've been clicking on clicking the conference-only thing. We can hear and you doing that. Good, good. The, the proof, see? Um, but their conference stats, like, click, you know, defensive efficiency goes from 31st to 1st. Defensive effective field goal percentage goes from 20th to 1st. Field goal three-point percentage goes from 89th to first. So in terms of at least... No, this is conference only as in uh, out of the teams in their conference. Uh, Wait a minute. Well, you're saying 89th and then first. There's not 89 teams in the Big Ten, though. It certainly feels like it. Right. Sorry. Where's where's the 89? Uh, Because I was assuming... Yeah, no, okay, no. Here's... Ready? Ready? It's out of the teams in the country versus they're 89th out of the teams in the country and they're first in the big 10. Oh, yeah, you're okay. right. That, that actually, I did, that wasn't what I thought it was either. Still, nonetheless, um, Maryland, think, does this then say more about the big 10 than it does Maryland? Cause we, we might be reaching yeah. a point where we need to say Maryland's good and they're not, they're not a bad team by any stretch, but this is becoming a big 10 thing and not a Maryland thing. And there's not much the Terps yes. can do about it because Essentially, I mean, when you look at tests for Maryland, you know, remaining this season, uh, Ken Palm projects them to lose five games, but Ken Palm in general hasn't been particularly sweet on Maryland this entire year. Um, You look at games, really the home game against Purdue on uh, February 4th. So a week from Saturday. Um, Then away at Wisconsin those are those seem like they are the two biggest ones but other than that I mean I guess maybe you don't expect Maryland to run the table just because they're not going to win every game but aside from those two games they like individually each of those other games looks like it's a win you right that that, that makes sense I mean chances are they don't win all of them just because that's you just don't win all of the but games. Again, we didn't expect happen. Maryland to be 6-1 and one with their only loss to being against Nebraska at the start of this. So, Yeah. Thomas, do you think that we've reached a point where most of what Maryland is doing is attributable to the Big Ten being not very good as opposed to Maryland being actually – I mean, when you're 18-2, and two, you're obviously doing something right. But this feels very hollow, and I go back to a stat I saw last Thursday night, which was Maryland had the weakest strength of schedule by far in the Big Ten, and that hasn't changed. So is a lot of this Maryland's just fattening up on a bad schedule, and unlike other teams who fattened up on bad schedules, Maryland's just have found a way to win more of those games? Or is there something else that we're missing here? Um, I think... As far as the conference, the Big Ten is having kind of a Pac-12 year, where there's a couple. Not this year's Pac-12. Teams, not this year's Pac-12, but the last few years, uh, where they've had like kind of that that clock sort of every team has beaten 
you know, has a transitive win over everyone else sort of a deal. True. And, you know, it, it's just everyone's pretty good, but no one's great. And the the Big Ten is kind of like that this year, uh, although kind of Wisconsin and Purdue are probably a little better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is not, as Wally Zerbiak has said, a two-horse race between those two. <laughs> he, he, he that was ridiculous. Heat. He caught some heat from Maryland Twitter. He actually uh, tweeted back at me, um, and he said, the schedule gets real tough. You'll see. And the, the, by, by real tough, there's the, it's those two games. And, you know, after that, they're the third best team in the conference. So This is true. I, I don't know. The, I would say that they're the most consistent team in the conference behind the other two, at the very mm-hmm. least. Also, yeah. these are things that are going on on Twitter while I have been completely avoiding it for very obvious reasons. Now, uh, Ryan, let's talk about this game on Saturday that's coming up, and I think it's a very intriguing game. I tend to think Maryland road games are way more interesting than the home games, unless the home games are against big teams. Uh, and this game against Minnesota, which I for the longest time thought was a home game, is actually a road game. Uh, <laughs> Maryland lost there last year with a much yes. better roster against a much worse Minnesota team. This is a weird road game. It's a somewhat shorter week. It's early in the day. You can kind of get lulled to sleep with these games. This is, again, Maryland's passed all of his road tests thus far, which I did not expect to happen because I've never assumed that Turgeon teams are great road ga- uh, road teams. Excuse me. Now, if they win this, it's like they keep passing the supposed test that I have for them in my mind. They're continuing to win these road games that are taught essentially – Little worse than toss-ups in the, you know in their favor. Does it if they go four and zero on the road, even though the Big Ten isn't very good, does that say something about this group that we were not able to say about other Maryland teams? Because last year's team wasn't very good on the road. Yeah, I think um, you know the the road thing always fascinates me about the you know can a team win on the road and what exactly does it say if anything about that team, but. Um, one of the more fascinating things I think to follow with this Maryland team was, you know, Maryland finished ranked 18th in the AP poll last year, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that where they ended up? And like, you know, I guess AP poll, sure, not the not the most perfect um, uh, measurement of a team. They were 23rd in Ken Palm. If that's if that makes a difference to anyone, but one of the things I've been interested to see is, you know, as this team has sort of rose up a little bit are they going to finish higher than last year's team? Because it's, I mean, what, what would it say if they won all these games? It would say that they were a lot, uh, they were a good amount better than I think most of us thought they were going to be. And it would, I think it, like, it's not, it just means that they're pretty good. That's, that's just, I think that's really the big conclusion you'd have to draw. Uh, it's also interesting, I think, because with everybody losing ahead of them, and if Maryland wins, they're going to move up because there's a lot of chaos in the top 25 this year. Uh, I'd say maybe more so than last year. I, I'm starting to lose last year's thing out of my head as I try to focus on this year's group. Thomas, do you put much stock in the road versus home thing? Because in the last couple of years, Maryland has definitely struggled on the road in conference play. And it's not like they haven't in their three road games that they've played this year, but they've looked more assured of themselves in road games as opposed to last year's team which didn't really look assured of itself in road games and even two years ago it wasn't the most assured team in the world even though it was really good uh do you think do you put as much into the road versus home stuff as as i do 
Um, a little bit. The it, it's just generally tough to win when everyone in the building is cheering for the other team. So, you know, a certain you know t- some teams just handle that better than others, and I don't know, you know, what it is about this team. I mean, we've you know been hearing. You know, we heard all through the preseason and everything that, like, oh, this team is together in a way that last year's never was. And, you know, they all said that. And it, I guess this is the proof that that's really true, which, you know, is, is fine by me. Um, you know, they've certainly been tested, and they haven't really cruised on the road in any of their, at least, conference games. But they've won them all, and I think that's – definitely an accomplishment and if if it still holds true through the weekend then you know we should be really giving them credit for that well i think that as has been proven winning on the road in conference play is really hard as villanova kansas and kentucky and all ended up finding out and i'm presuming if maryland was in a big 10 where the rest of the conference was better as it certainly was the last two years they'd be finding that out themselves but Turns out they haven't really found out much about that yet. Then their next game after that is against Ohio State. That's a building that they got killed in two straight years. Then they won there last year. They also beat Ohio State by a bajillion at home. You know, that's Ohio. That's Ohio State's also way down as opposed to where some people thought they might have been. Uh, that's another one on paper that looks like a win. But if they can win two consecutive road games in conference play again in advance of their biggest game of the season, I'd say that would be pretty impressive. Uh, I want to get to something else that is certainly going to anger Maryland fans when we get to it. Uh, It's two weeks away. Uh, CBS and Turner are going to release the top 16 teams as of February 11th, before whatever game on CBS is that day. They will release the S-curve. And I'm pretty sure Maryland fans are going to get angry at that, Ryan, because we always do, as we heard when Wally Zerbiak throws shade at Maryland. Maryland fans on Twitter get angry, and I know... They're going to get angry if Maryland doesn't pop up on that S-curve by the 11th. There's a lot of basketball between now and then. Uh, again, by that point, you really shouldn't put much into said S-curve because things will change a month in a month between then and Selection Sunday. But are you more intrigued in that knowing that Maryland's kind of on the cusp of being in that S-curve? Like, they could be in the top 16 by the time we get to that by inertia because there just aren't enough teams to fill those slots. Or they're actually really good by then. Yeah, um, it's I, I'm I'm more on the you know the first part of what you said on the you know it's it'll still be early, but uh, yeah, I mean I think it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see with with Maryland. I think we're all expecting them to pretty much keep keep rolling until that happens. Maybe drop one game, but no no more than two. Nothing to. Nothing to really sink them that much from right now. Um, I think it just it would get very interesting if Maryland. Run, you said it's the eleventh. The eleventh. So by if the Maryland time were to released, run, by the time that this is released, for the record, Maryland is at Minnesota on Saturday. The thirty-first, they're at Ohio State. Purdue on the fourth, which is a Saturday, and then that following Tuesday, they're at Penn State. They play later on the 11th, but it's before. It's after they release the S curve. So by that, there's four games. If Maryland manages to win all of them, they will be 22 and two. That will be, I believe, also the best start in program history, because they tied the 98-99 team that started 18 and two, and yeah, they started 19 and two 
year. So if they do win their next four, then it is the best start in program history. So they, I would, you would assume that they'd be on the S curve in that instance if they have won the next four games. Whether it's up to whether Maryland can be consistent, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a variety of things that go into that, obviously, but um, I think most of it it really rests on you know, do they beat the teams they're supposed to beat? I guess is odd because this Minnesota game is it seems it seems like pretty much a toss up. Uh, Ken Palm has uh, Minnesota as a five point favorite. I think you know. Maryland's forty-five on Ken Palm. Minnesota's thirty-nine. I think it could it could potentially go either way, but I think I think Ken Palm likes Minnesota a lot more than the rest of us do. And Minnesota so, has beaten nobody better than Maryland has beaten. So I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that's me being maybe that's me being a, a Maryland homer. Yeah, and Probably and is. Minnesota. Uh, I mean, Minnesota's lost four straight, though three of them were on the road, and the one home game was an overtime loss to Wisconsin. So, I mean, there's we're gonna we're gonna say they lost four in a row, but we got to be pretty we got to qualify that pretty well because they close. they they beat and they beat Purdue. They um, beat Purdue on the road. So I mean, they they seem the road. It's not they seem team. pretty they seem pretty formidable. Uh, you know, can't I say. Said- I've been one to pay much attention to Minnesota basketball over the years. Um, I think we've been forced to now. Yeah, and I think we, I mean, we should. They're showing you that, you know, you got to at least pay attention. Yeah, let, let's, be, let's, be fair to, let's be fair to Minnesota. They aren't nearly as bad as they were a year ago. Yes. Uh, La- last year, when, when their coach after the game, um, I mean, you had to be happy out. for them. He said, the line that I remember was, uh, he, he used to go to Starbucks and he would, he would only use the drive-through. He wouldn't go in because ah. everyone would recognize him and like make fun of him. And uh, I mean, the way he was talking about his players was just like, now they can finally hold their heads high when they walk around campus. It was just like, even if you're a Maryland fan, you had to, you had to feel good. They, they, they deserve something good. Yes. Uh, as I said, Maryland won their last three row games, and I thought every one of them they had a chance to lose. And this maybe is their best chance of losing a road game yet, but I'm still intrigued by the prospect. And Thomas, finally to wrap up this kind of roundabout discussion on on the game against Minnesota, and then as we go on, uh, again, I think Maryland just winning these games proves something a little bit more to us that there is more to this team than fluky wins that they've seemed to become a master of. But it would also show a lot about how this team has fought how they have dealt with injuries and depth in depth concerns. And they've been so good with that all year. If we could start to see a better balance in the lineup that you could start to start to think about where this team, how high can this team go? And this is another one of those games where if they win it, maybe there is reason to start thinking about how high can they go? There's reason to, um, it is definitely tricky to start thinking about the, the ceiling for this team. Cause they're doing about as well now, like record-wise, as I, you know, could have possibly expected. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we still don't know enough because they haven't been completely healthy. Um, and they haven't been really tested. Also but. true. I mean, they, they've been tested and they've lost things. And I think uh, it's definitely worth noting how well they've 
Well, they haven't lost since that Nebraska collapse. Um, it, it looks like they really did take that to heart and learn from it, mm-hmm. which is really what all you can ask of a team, especially one that's this young. Yes, absolutely. And I did start looking at bracketology uh, this week. Uh, Joe Lenardi had Maryland as a sixth seed, and they were playing UNC Wilmington, which as a Maryland fan, that matchup would terrify the hell out of me because that's easily when I could see them losing. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I think Jerry Palm had them also as a sixth seed, so that's where they stand right now. Uh, we'll see where that goes, and by that February 11th S-curve release, they could be in the top 16 teams in the country, which would be absolutely insane. Let's move on to something that's a little bit more prescient in terms of time. Uh, that would be football recruiting. We are down the stretch. Signing day is next Wednesday, and there's a lot of news with relation to Maryland recruits, and by a lot of news, I mean no news. You'll see what I mean in a second, Ryan. Uh, Two of Maryland's biggest remaining targets would be Tariq Castro-Fields and Anthony McFarland were supposed to commit by the time we have recorded this podcast. As you know, that hasn't happened yet. And I am not into the recruiting scene for football and basketball all that much, but when there are delays in announcements, I tend to think that means there is a team coming up from behind a dark horse that suddenly has a lot more favor with these kids than it did before, and Maryland was not the favorite for either of these two before these announcements. You could put two and two together and think about what it might mean. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it was, you know, before, oh, so Castro Fields was supposed to announce on Monday, and then um, he ended up delaying until National Signing Day. Anthony McFarland was going to announce on Wednesday, and then he uh, he said he would delay it indefinitely. Um, and finally, just during this podcast, I found a uh, his dad told um, the Miami Herald that uh, he will be enrolled that he's going to announce on Friday. So probably by the time you listen to this podcast, you might already know, but. Um, yeah, I think in general, you know, Castro Fields was uh, all the crystal ball predictions on 24-7 sports were coming in for Penn State for him and for McFarland. They were all coming in for Miami. Um, and if they didn't announce, I really think the only logical conclusion you can make is that, you know, Maryland in its last visits with those recruits, they made some sort of big impact. And uh I think, um, you know, you can't say anything definite, but you got to think Maryland has at least a much better chance than it did, you know, right before these guys were going to announce. And it's weird because these might be the only two additions you see to uh, Maryland's class. I mean, right now they have seven guys already enrolled, um, enrolled early and 21 guys still verbally committed. With uh, most of those guys seem pretty solid, except for Breon, Breon and Brandon Gaddy, who the twin defensive linemen from Virginia, who are visiting Florida this weekend. Uh, we're not. They they tweet a lot of pro Florida things, um, and you know, in general, sure, you don't put too much stock into what uh, recruits tweet, but uh, I think they it's pretty clear that they're strongly considering Florida and they don't have an offer yet from Florida. So 
I mean, just stand to the reason that if they do get a Florida offer this weekend, uh, you know, that looks like they'd be a pretty big competitor in Maryland. But and remember, that, remember, they went from Tennessee, I think. Was it Tennessee? They Yeah, so they were Tennessee committed to, to Tennessee. Maryland to Florida. That's a weird way of going from yes. one SEC East school to another. Yes, but they did, uh, you know, they they decommitted from Tennessee, and then uh, two weeks later they visited Maryland, and it was like seemed like a real spur of the moment thing, and then they committed that weekend that they could that they visited Maryland. So it was all just such a quick thing that happened. It didn't. It wasn't like they, you know, visited Maryland and then took a couple weeks and then thought about it. They were like, no, like we're committed to Maryland now. So that. You know, it obviously can't be an easy decision to make ever. So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's not like it just seemed like it was maybe a very quick decision, which le- leaves the door open that they could decommit. Yes, of course it could. And that that's recruiting, folks. But Maryland at least has 26 other commitments that they could fall back on and maybe more. Uh, quickly, do you put 28, 28, actually? Well, 26 if they both decommit. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. You're That's right. what I mean. Uh, quickly, do you put anything on the fact that Anthony McFarland's dad was talking to the Miami Herald and not, say, the Washington Post about this? Um, no, I think it's just that the Miami Herald uh, called him up, texted him, DM'd him on Twitter, and you know, other publications didn't. I imagine that might be it. And I think when you're this late in the in the recruiting cycle, I think to get in contact with the recruit or the recruit's family, you have to have been talking to them for a while before, uh, you know, to, if, if you're going to, you can't just hop in right at the end. You got to have been talking to them for a while so that they trust you. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, Thomas, what do you make of all of this news? And do you think, what Ryan and I seem to agree on, is that the fact that there's no news is probably better news for Maryland in the pursuit of these two highly touted recruits? Yeah, I am with you guys on that. Um, you know, it would be at this point, I'd be stunned if they got both of them. It's possible they get one, but um, I, I tend to think they're getting one of the two. I I think it's uh, if you're asking me, and I have no inside intel on this, no crystal balls. Uh, I think it's Castro Fields. That's just my guess. I I think McFarland's probably going to go to Miami, which at least in Maryland's case means he's not in the same conference. But I think it's Castro Field, and that's just an educated guess. And, yeah, I mean, from I think it's more likely they end up landing him than McFarland. But, you know, it, it's, it, is, it does still feel weird to sit around and talk about these things that way. But um, I think it is important to point out that, you know, they are not counting on these guys and that they have a big, solid class already. Right. Um, and that these guys would just – sort of add to it be you know we'll make life a lot better be big yeah be big pieces but not foundational pieces yes yes right and And i think with uh you know with mcfarland's in an interesting uh place because maryland already has ty johnson and Lanto harrison next year and that certainly doesn't mean that in walpell's offense where they divvy up the carries pretty well that mcfarland wouldn't get a great chance especially since he can play receiver but, you know, fit-wise, it's possible that he fits in better at Miami where Castro Field seems like he'd challenge for playing time right away in Maryland. I think that would be a fairly obvious bet. 
Especially but, with Maryland's defensive backfield. Just seems mm-hmm. like it would be a, a wise thing to... Which, uh, and, which and, Maryland's defensive backfield, by the way, I mean, it was, you know, going into last season, it was it looked like they were in big trouble. And now, all of a sudden, next year it'll be young, but the future there looks looks real bright. Yes. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say, the, the recruit that would have been a problem if he left, but has shown no intentions of leaving and is probably not leaving... And that's Kasim Hill. You put something in Thursday's Maryland Minute, Ryan, about how a lot of people in recruiting services really like Kasim Hill. And the fact that Maryland's yeah. kept him through all of this tells you a lot. And I don't think he's going to be really competing for playing time next year unless he's this amazing that he has to play as a true freshman. But the fact that Maryland's kept him through all of this, through all of the bad losses and all the other stuff with the recruiting cycle and Kando and all this mess tells you a lot about how these guys can recruit and how they can keep on the big QB recruit because they lost one last year. And I think they made it as big of a priority as possible to not lose another one. Yeah. I I will say, I mean, again, like the losing him last year really was about the coaches, but, um, and this year, uh, it was really about like Kane, Kando decommitted, but there haven't really been any other big ones. Um, but, I think quarterback quarterback recruits, I feel like a quarterback really gets more attached to everyone and the coaches get more attached to a quarterback. You know, I certainly have no expertise to back this up, but it just seems like, I mean, when you're the quarterback, you just have to know so much more about the system and the coaches really need to know that you fit that system. And Kasim Hill really feels like the uh, – the perfect fit for what Walt Bell wants to do because he's a pro style quarterback who has a good arm, but he also can run as well as, you know, do any dual threat quarterback. So, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be really exciting whenever he does start. I think he's going to have a good shot at starting as a true freshman. Um, it really just depends. It's, I think that, but you know, it's, I think that's really, that's, the biggest storyline, you know, once again, quarterback is the biggest storyline going into Maryland's offseason. When because, is it not? Yeah, because Caleb Henderson, we just was a highly regarded recruit who we just haven't seen play for a very long time. Then, um, you know, Pigram was obviously underdeveloped throwing last year, but that's what we all expected. And I don't think anyone can fault him for that. And he could certainly make a big jump from year one to year two so yeah i mean i don't know that's that, that'll be that'll be fun to watch these are things that we will get to next week when we will review all of the stuff from national signing day whether maryland gets some of these guys or not and we will then take a look at the depth chart and see where all of these pieces fit in because this maryland team is very interesting heading into 2017 with the fact that this recruiting class is so good and the fact that a lot of the players that are left over from years from last year are very young too. And they had a lot of impact players that were very young. So it's going to be a young team, but a very exciting team in 2017. Although one that we must say, even though it's January and they don't start playing until September, still might end up finishing with the same record, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is Maryland football and how it works. Uh, Thomas, let's quickly get to some women's basketball. And the thing I want to talk about the most is on Monday night, I'm watching Mississippi State, South Carolina, because I want to see if there are any other teams that are as good as Maryland uh, outside of UConn. And at halftime, they released the S-curve, 
like we were talking about for the guys, they released one for the women. And Maryland was ninth overall. That means they were a three seed. How the hell is that possible? <laughs> um, well, the, there is, you know, I, I wrote this in the preview. I personally don't think it makes a lot of sense for a team that's been ranked number three this whole time to be a three seed. Um, there is obviously, you know, a real reason for them to drop in something like this, and that's their strength of schedule has been bad. Um, last I checked, it was 85th or something in the country, and none of the eight teams ahead of them are higher than 47. So, and and that plus the Big Ten for the women this year is, you know, is just it worse not than men? deep at all. Yes, it's just not, it's not deep. It's Maryland, and then a big, and then a gap at l- a little bit, and then Ohio State, and then there's kind of a few decent teams that could make the tournament: Michigan, Northwestern, and then after that, it's bubble teams or worse. With the, the the men's side, it has kind of a couple, a few ranked teams, and then a few good teams. But you know, there there's the the, the floor for the women is a lot lower. Oh, so, okay. So, so the Big Ten is definitely being held against them in that ranking. Their non-conference strength of schedule is being held against them, even though they have wins over Louisville and Arizona State, who are also in that, and they played UConn, obviously close. Um, so I think there's definitely reason to drop them. It doesn't make sense to drop them that far. I was I, asking because I was really confused when I saw that, and the people on the show whose names I forgot, but I will probably learn their names very soon, uh, they were confused too, as they probably should be. Uh, is it? I mean, is it conceivable that Maryland's a three seed if they go the rest of the season with only one loss, and that one loss was to UConn? I, I don't I think that's conceivable. Can't I can't imagine because they were the sixth overall seed last year, and even then there were only two, three ranked teams in the Big Ten, and they finished the season with three three losses i believe so well, it's a two to ohio state and one to uconn two to ohio state one to uconn and if they just run the table in the conference this year you know with going into the tournament with one loss it would be kind of shocking to see him as a two seed but you know definitely not a three seed i had to ask this question you know more about this than i do ryan what were you about to say on this subject i guess the big thing is like in all these scenarios is that uh maryland the 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 people who vote in the AP poll are just none of the same people who are making those uh, you know that that S curve ranking right so yes that's I guess I don't know that's that's the thing I always try to think about when you know when there's one of those happening and it doesn't make sense and spoiler I think this is what oh I think, go on Thomas I think the there is a room for debate on what the tournament seedings uh, should be, whether they should be about how good you think a team is versus what they've accomplished. Because Maryland's schedule, you know, all in all, hasn't been as strong as some of the other teams. But there's no way you look at the landscape of the sport and don't decide that Maryland's one of the five or six best teams. You know, they've been number three in the poll this whole time. This is true. It's just to me like... You have to, you know, how are you supposed to weight those things? Because I've seen Maryland this whole year. And when Maryland is really clicking, they can be anybody. And not a lot of teams can say that. So it, it would just be weird to see that kind of team as a three seed. 
I completely agree with you. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up specifically is because this is our preview for February 11th when everybody's going to get mad about where the guys are, in essence, whether they're on the S-curve or not on it at all. People are going to get angry at that. And we should mention, it's like the college football playoff rankings in early November. Essentially, they're meaningless because they are going to change. And they probably should change as things go on during the season. But it offers a glimpse into the tournament committee's uh, selection processes for both sports. And it gives us an idea of what are they valuing. And a lot of the same things that are being thrown at the women's team are going to get thrown at the guys, too. Because Maryland's schedule in both Sports, not particularly good. Conference strength, not particularly good. These things are going to end up being held against them when it comes to the tournament, and it could end up affecting where where they play and what seed they are. So it's a good balancing act, and it's also a good preview of what we're going to see down the line. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Uh, next week, as I said, Ryan will probably be back with a review of National Signing Day and all sorts of crazy goodness that will come from it. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff at SB Nation, too. Not just Maryland-related, but if you're interested in all sorts of crazy stuff in National Signing Day next Wednesday, you should follow SB Nation. We've got a lot of good people covering it that know this sport inside and out and are going to get you up to date on everything you need to know. But you're going to be on sort of lockdown all day next Wednesday when this stuff comes out, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a DJ Durkin has a press conference at 2. Um most of the signees will be uh, be in by then. I think, uh, you know, the only announcement we might be waiting on will be Castro Fields. Uh, he, by, beyond that, I think we might have the other potentially 29 recruits already decided. But uh, it'll be it'll be a cool um It'll be a cool day. National Signing Day is always a fun day. I got to cover my first one last year, and now this year I actually know what I'm doing. Um, but I'm glad you do. I'm glad you admitted that on this air. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be a fun day. Uh, follow all of us starting on Twitter. Bright, starting bright and early. Oh, I know. I uh, it's and this semester I don't have class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but of course National Signing Day is always a Wednesday. Yeah, but you can you can tell uh, everybody. I'm trying to see if Maryland football is going to get better. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a second semester understand. senior. Second I, semester I know, senior, they will they will understand. understand. They'll understand in more ways than one. And Thomas, you'll you'll be helping out with that as well and picking up the rear for everything else. It's a fun time for Maryland sports because there's generally optimism again. And when's the last time we were able to say that for a while? I don't know. <laughs> wasn't really since I've been here. Uh, yeah. that's, this is true. Well, then again, you should have been here of our fre my freshman year. I keep forgetting that you two weren't there my freshman year when all of the other bleep hit the fan. I should tell that story of uh, the weirdest four days in Maryland sports history where it's leaked that they're joining the Big Ten on a Friday. It's pretty much known it's happening on a Saturday, and they're playing a home football game. And then it's announced on a Monday of thanks the weekend before Thanksgiving. What a fun time. I guess we could save that story for uh, when we have podcasts later on in the year when there's not a lot going on. And it's hard to believe that was four-plus four years ago. Jesus. Anyway, uh, we will be back next week sometime. We'll talk about National Signing Day. And we'll also preview Maryland's probably their biggest basketball game in the season. Uh, but until then, go Terps. Go Terps.